Welcome to the Dental Marketing Mix. Online marketing know-how for dentists with your host, Dan Bryan, brought to you by Dentalscapes, a full-service digital marketing agency for dental practices. All right, welcome to episode two of the Dental Marketing Mix. This is a brand new podcast specifically for dentists. We are focused on marketing for dental practices, particularly online marketing, but we also get into all kinds of uh, themes and topics that are of interest for practicing dentists. And so uh, my name is Dan Bryan. I am the host of this podcast, but I'm also the co-founder over at Dentalscapes. We do online marketing for dental practices uh, general dentists, orthodontists, pediatric dentists, uh, as well as small to mid-sized DSOs that, that our values align with. So in any case, um, I wanted to dig into a really cool topic today and one that I think is increasingly important in today's uh, fast-moving industry, and that's mental health in the dental profession. And joining me to talk about that, I'm really excited to have a great guest on today. Uh, he is Brian Swift, and he is a practicing dentist and owner of Swift Family Dentistry in Roxboro, North Carolina. He's a graduate of the UNC Adams School of Dentistry. And one thing that I, I I'm going to give you a second here to introduce yourself, Brian. Uh, but one thing that I think is so uh, <laughs> interesting is that you have mentioned in the past that you're one of seven practicing dentists in your county, uh, which is a little bit insane. Uh, but you're also one of two dentists in the county with a website. <laughs> so like I said, we, we dig into marketing here on the show, um, but today's going to be a little bit more focused on a different topic, but I wanted to kick things off and ask you what motivated you to, to want to start that website, uh, in, you know, what I, I think is a, is a pretty family focused area. And you said you get most of your business from referrals and word of mouth. So what motivated you? And I commend you for, uh, building that website because it is so important. I'm a little biased, of course, but, uh, what, what motivated you to do that and how has it worked out for you? Sure. And uh, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you for having me, Dan. I'm very excited to be here. Um, with respect to the website, uh, you know, I just figured I kind of needed it this day and age. Um, I can't imagine operating any kind of business without a website. And, we you know, it is a, um, in addition to the word of mouth referrals that you mentioned, I, I think that's probably the, the second uh strongest thing that we have in terms of getting new patients. Um, yeah. A lot of people just say they Googled Dennis Roxborough. And of course I'm, I'm about the one of two that pops <laughs> up. So yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, it's so important uh, regardless of how you even get your patients. I mean, and it sounds like that's working for you too, in terms of driving uh, organic traffic to the website, but it's so important in terms of patient experience and everyone wants to learn more about, you know, a practice before they decide where to go. And it's cool. I saw on your website, you've got staff bios and all of that. And I just think it's so important for demonstrating the unique personality and characteristics of your practice and what makes, you know, you, you, uh, so that's sure. cool. Yeah, for yep. sure. So, you know, wanted to dig in a topic that I think we're both passionate about and that's mental health, um, in the dental profession and otherwise I know. Um, but if you don't mind, could you start by just kind of sharing your own personal experience with clinical dentistry? What did you do after graduating from dental school initially? Uh, and, and I think it's fair to say, um, and you can dig into it, you know, in far better detail than I can, but it's fair to say, I think that you worked in some higher stress, higher volume, uh, practices, situations. And I wanted to just ask about your experience with that and how you think that impacted your mental health, um, kind of getting into the profession. 
Sure. Um, so I have been practicing now almost seven years. Uh, fresh out of school, I think I had some rose-colored glasses on uh, that I was going to end up in kind of the situation that I'm in now, which is it is a little bit slower paced. Uh, it is almost a throwback. It's, it's very Mayberry-esque up here in Roxborough, <laughs> nice. yeah. um, which is, you know, it's just that that's not for everybody and it's not for uh, uh, it's not everywhere. Um, yeah. And again, this is my experience. Some of these these areas that I worked in great for other people. It was not for me so much. Um, as you said, higher paced, higher volume. Um, I felt more so like, uh, I was trying to hit quotas every day. Um, had to hit X amount of uh, procedures, X amount of dollars produced. Um, and it really limited my capacity to interact with the patients on a human level. Um, I, I would, oftentimes only see people once or twice. Um, they'd come back in, see a different doctor, um, just cause it was a multiple office, multiple, multiple dental, uh, provider office. So you okay. know, there was three or four doctors. They, patients weren't usually specifically assigned to, yeah. uh, specific doctors. Um, and it really kind of hampered my ability to get to establish those relationships, which is one reason that I really chose to get into this uh, business was to establish those long-term relationships. Um, and yeah, I must say over time, uh, it was very grating on yeah. my ability to enjoy the practice of dentistry. Um, it felt more like, you know, I was just kind of a go, 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 uh, trying to hit X amount of dollars. Um, yeah. and it was really just not, something that I envisioned myself doing long-term and it was quite a shock to the system, especially having exited school with those rose colored glasses on. Uh, It was just not what I was anticipating. I don't think that's unique though. I think, uh, you know, my husband is a professor at at a dental school here in North Carolina and, you know, I think the rose colored glasses uh, phenomenon is, is certainly not um, something that, that uh, is rare. Um, But, you know, now were you working in, um, corporate dentistry what was sort of the practice environment you were working in yeah so uh i bounced around i guess the first five-ish years i was probably at a a different office every year just about um there were some corporate offices they were more local chains to the area um Mm -hmm. not necessarily national type stuff but um locally owned offices that had upwards of you know 15 to 20 locations yeah um heavily uh medicaid driven okay. some of them um yeah. which again is oftentimes a little bit more of a uh quantity yeah game. real prone to um, high volume yeah, yeah very high volume um but yeah for the most part they were corporate okay gotcha now yes, was sir. there a was there a moment um that you can remember or maybe maybe a, a series of moments that sort of led you to realize how important it was to prioritize your own mental health when making your career choice. Um, and ultimately that led you to decide to uh, go into private practice on your own. Sure. I think after, you know, about doing the same thing for three to four years. Um, I just, by the end of the day, I was just like, what the hell am I doing with my life here? Um, this is just not what I really envisioned and signed up for. Uh, I was really contemplating like, do I, do I, do I want to stay in this? Actually, this is, this is not something that I envisioned myself being able to do long term. um, for, you know, 25, 30 years, ideally. Um, and I was, 
quite frankly, I was not not the nicest at home. You can speak to my poor wife. Um, <laughs> it was uh, it was it was it was challenging. I, yeah. I think it was just kind of dreading going into work every day. Kind of that pit in your stomach. You're just like, yeah. oh, here we go again. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the hard other to thing leave that at the door. It is. It really is. Um, the other thing, uh, I actually was fortunate. Throughout those those four, three four years, um, I I worked part time with one of my dear friends from dental school, who she started her own practice um, in the the kind of RTP area of North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, and so that kind of gave me one one day a week the 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 vision of what it was like to actually run, uh, in my opinion, more quality practice where you can, you can establish the relationships. Um, you can kind of, you call your own shots, you're your own boss. Mm -hmm. Um, so seeing her set that up, um, kind of gave me a hope that, you know what, maybe, maybe I, I, I can do this and there's something out there where I can find my little niche, uh, in dentistry myself. So I would say the combination of just getting burned out and, and seeing one of my, my good friends kind of go out there and, and, do it herself. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you were able to, you know, find your way to your own, you know, private practice. It sounds like that was such a huge step for you in your career and has made such a difference. Now, not all dentists though, especially those that are, you know, fresh out of school or maybe have not been practicing for um, very long, not all of them are in a position yet where they can change kind of their work situation immediately. Um, but that does not mean by any means that they're not struggling with mental health or they're, they're working in a high stress, you know, high volume environment. What kind of advice would you give to, you know, maybe younger dentists or at least maybe not younger, but less experienced dentists who are struggling with that in their current work environment and maybe are not yet ready um, prepared to, you know, jump into private practice or even just make a career change. What do you, what do you, what do you think about that? What, what kind of advice would you give folks? Sure. Um, I think my biggest thing is I, I, I was always hesitant, especially at first to leave a job because I was scared that I wouldn't be able to, to find another one. Um, and yeah. so kind of the, the, the fear of, oh my gosh, what's next really, uh, paralyzed me a little bit in some of these situations that I probably should have got out of sooner. Um, I would say if you in your gut are having that, that feeling where, oh, you're driving into work and you're just like, what the heck am I doing? It's probably time to start looking um, because there's always something out there. Um, Yeah. And again, Absolutely. you might not find it on your first your first go around. Um, I kind of, I, in my opinion, learned more from those those not so great jobs um, than than some of the good jobs. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the the learning associated with that it's just, it's often you know the mistakes and uh, the mistakes that you make in your career. I feel that are most valuable, actually, better sure. than the wins. Hundred <laughs> um, percent. You know, you've you've spoken about you know. Um, uh, bringing regrettably, you know, bringing some of that stress and, um, you know, those issues home and, you know, how, what you deal with in the workplace can ultimately, um, create stress at home. And so, um, you know, work-life balance is obviously huge for any career, any industry, um, but particularly for dentists, um, for some of the reasons that we've already talked about, what tips would you, um, you know, give others, um, that are trying to achieve that kind of balance in this demanding profession? So for me, um, one of the, the, the things that I've learned that really, really helps me is I just need a period of time in the morning to kind of gear up and get ready. Um, and for me, that's my, my drive into work. So right yeah. now it's about a 40, 40 minute drive is what I have every day. Um, and I just find it allows me to kind of turn from, from 
home mode to, to work mode and kind of get in the zone. Um, and more importantly, when I'm, when I'm coming home, um, just kind of turn it off, decompress, and leave leave work at work so I can yeah. come home and enjoy the home life. Yeah, um, absolutely. So for me, that's just putting on my favorite podcast on the way home. There you go. Well, well now yeah. you've got a new one. <laughs> that's right. I was just going to say. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, yes, um, you know, as a as a practice owner now, you have a whole new set, however, um, you know, of challenges and, you know, things that occupy your time and your um, you know, your focus. And one of those is obviously managing a staff. And, um, you know, it's very important, obviously, within private practice and any practice for that matter, um, to create a culture that supports the mental health of, of everyone in the entire team. What kinds of things, you know, are you, um, and maybe drawing upon your own experience and, you know, some, some other practice environments that we've already talked about, what sorts of things are you doing to, you know, really build a culture that's supportive of your team and, you know, really looks out for them, uh, you know, as well. Sure. Um, I think the biggest thing that I think uh, first comes to mind here is I try to be flexible with them. Um, if yeah. they ever need to take some time off, um, I can recall at some of these other offices uh, where, you know, kids had stuff at school or they had something with a field trip. Um, and these, the, the other owners would say, nope, you're on the schedule. You're not doing it. You're, you're not going. Um, and I've tried to be really flexible with, with my team here that, you know what, if, if the kid has a, a, a play at school or something and they really yeah. want to be there, um, I am happy to be flexible and work with them to kind of move the schedule around uh, because in my opinion, that's what it's all about. We're here to work, um, to support our families and that's what it's about. That's yeah, what it's about. So, um, I think having some flexibility, um, has really gone a long way here, um, for them to respect me, maybe more as a boss that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not kind of holding them to the fire constantly. Um, and I think it makes them more enjoyable for them to come to work every day, knowing that it's, it's not going to be <laughs> hell every day for eight hours. Um, we try to keep it very low key. Totally, totally. Uh, now, you mentioned something interesting earlier on. You said that, you know, in your previous practice environments, you didn't necessarily have an opportunity to forge relationships with your patients. And that's something that can be so rewarding, um, you know, and also, you know, just, just you know, fosters, uh, you know, long-term relationships with patients and, and loyalty to the practice and that kind of thing. But can you can you talk a little bit further about sort of why, you know, being able to create longer lasting, longer term relationships with patients was important to you and how maybe that's impacted your outlook on clinical practice? Sure. Um, so like I said, initially, I had I got into this business because I, I am a people person. I enjoy working with people and uh, it's it's this is my way that I'm helping people. I feel like I'm, I'm making a difference in people's lives by um, doing what I'm doing. Um, and to be able to really get to know someone, like I said, on a human level, um, get their story, um, where they're coming from, what they're going through, um, yeah. it makes what, what I'm doing that much more meaningful. Um, when you have a patient in your chair who you have gotten to know pretty well and, you know, you've, you've, you've done a new smile for them and they're sitting in the chair crying um it is really really special 
Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you know, one thing that's interesting is you you sort of landed on a unique practice or a practice that maybe is a little bit atypical in that you are in a relatively remote area. Um, it's a smaller uh, practice. It's very much, you know, family focused. And you've got, I think you said, a lot of patients that have been coming in for, you know, 20, 30, maybe even 40 years, um, which is amazing and, and so, so cool that you've been able to foster that environment. Um, but, you know, as younger dentists are considering, you know, potentially opening their own practices, what are, what are some of the pointers or tips and tricks that you would share with them, um, it, you know, in order to help them land on the right practice for them? If, if you know, it may be the case that they're going to buy in or, or buy out an existing practice, what would you advise, you know, younger dentists to look for in terms of finding the right fit? Sure. Um, so, again having worked in a lot of these jobs that I, I found out were not for me, um, I think was the biggest uh, benefit in finding the one that was right for me. I kind of figured out everything that I didn't want to do before I figured out what I wanted to do. Um, speaking with uh, existing staff at a practice, if you're looking at it, um, shadowing for a while, getting to know the yeah. patient population is a good uh, good idea. I, I did that a little bit here where I hung around um, with the previous owner and just kind of got to see the in, in day-to-day um, ins and outs of the practice and um, kind of get a pulse on, on the, the kind of patients that we have. Uh, yeah. And it just, with my personality, I felt like it would be a very good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just kind of hanging out uh, and, and, and getting, getting, dipping your toes in the water a little bit. Yeah. And getting to know the personality and kind of culture of the practice, you know, even, even beyond, you know, what are the most common clinical procedures and that kind of thing, you know, paying attention to sort of the, the maybe softer, um, or cultural factors. Um, you know, that's interesting now, you know, it's getting better. And I think, um, you know, the conversation about mental health is picking up steam, uh, not just in dentistry, but, you know, across the country and in all professions, which is which is a great thing, obviously. Um, but we still have work to do, I think is it's fair to say. Professional organizations and dental schools, I think, have some responsibility uh, for that, for fostering an environment that's conducive to having those conversations and uh, being supportive of, you know, up and coming dentists and, and even dentists that are established in the field. What kind of, you know, what was your experience in dental school as far as, um, you know, maybe what the conversation around mental health looked like? Um, and do you think there's there's an opportunity for dental schools or even professional organizations like the ADA, for that matter, to do more to move that conversation forward? I, I, I do think there is an opportunity to move it forward. Um, even just seven years ago, I'm trying to th- pick at the back ends of my brain here. I can't remember a whole lot um, of conversation around it. Um, And I I almost wish there had been a little bit more that, you know, you really do need to prioritize yourself. Um, You need to have some you time um, so you don't lose your mind. Um, You know, if, cause if you're running, go, 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 go all the time, that's just not something that I can do. Um, Especially when you're running, go, go, go all the time in a, in a situation where you're not happy. Um, It just, it, it, it beats you down very, very quickly. So um, I I do think there's an opportunity um, to, to maybe have some kind of uh, 
exposure to that more so in school um, before you really are diving in the deep end of uh, real world practice. Yeah. And, and, you know, for so long, the conversation about mental health in all professions really has been sort of taboo. Do you think progress is being made within, you know, the profession? Um, you know, when you go uh, to conferences, do you see um, any, you know, topics that that broach the subject? Or um, are you seeing more dentists have conversations focused on mental health? Do you think that do you think progress is being made? I do, um, especially kind of within my own little circle um, that I'm in with my friends. Uh, I think it's just we, we're learning that we, even though we love what we do now, we, we, we do have to kind of take the time to prioritize um, our own well-being. Because again, um, it sounds cliche, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of anybody else. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, we're making progress on that front for sure. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's encouraging to see, I think that, um, you know, for, for any number of different factors and reasons, uh, the, the conversation is moving forward. And I'm so encouraged to see that because, you know, I know firsthand, like I said, my, my husband, you know, teaches dentistry at the dental school and, um, the stress that, that you talk about a stressful environment, let's just look at dental school. And I'm sure I don't have to tell you that, you know, it far better than I do. Uh, but in any case, you know, Brian, I can't thank you enough for, uh, coming on today and, and sharing your story. Um, you know, as we, as we wrap up here, what are some of the key takeaways or a key takeaway for that matter that you would want to leave dentists with? Particularly, I think younger dentists or at least less experienced dentists that may be, uh, closer to getting out of school and, you know, may, may have those rose color, rose colored glasses and not necessarily anticipate the type of high stress or or maybe high volume environment they're going to be working in. Uh, what would you say to those people to watch out for? Maybe warning signs or things they should keep in mind to protect and safeguard their mental health in the profession. Well, I'm sure um, you living with a dentist, Dan, can attest to this that a lot of us are perfectionist type A no. uh, personalities. <laughs> I, can you no, imagine I, such I have, a thing? <laughs> can't imagine. You've no, never no. seen that. No, I've never seen um, it. No. I think we're oftentimes our own worst critics. Um, so you will make mistakes when you're fresh out of school. You still make, I mean, I make mistakes now. It's just a matter of correcting the mistakes um, and, and doing the, the right thing with those mistakes. Yeah. Um, but learning to make mistakes, accept those mistakes, learn from them, move on, um, and, and do better, uh, I think is the biggest thing I can, I can tell young dentists coming out. Um, I would also say, again, kind of what I went through, just because you're in a bad situation doesn't mean that you have to stay there. You can learn from it um, and and move on. And again, I think you and I both have mentioned, I learned more probably from the bad situations, from my mistakes, um, than I did from things going right. Um, I learned 100%. how not to run my practice for myself. I learned how not to treat my own patients now. Yeah. Um, and because of that, it's made me a better dentist. So kind of embracing the mistakes and embracing... Um, the, the, the not so good situations, um, for me ended up giving me a, a, a better long-term uh, outcome in my practice and really has set me up to have a, a, a better 
kind of clearer head long term. So, yeah, and it's interesting yeah. what you say about, you know, sort of embracing and accepting mistakes. And it sounds like, you know, something that's been important to you and I think is just so worth keeping in mind uh, in dentistry and, and any other profession is really this concept of kind of self-compassion, like being able to, um, you know, just just you know, roll with it and understand that not ever that, you know, we're not perfect and, um, mistakes are going to happen. I think that's just such great advice. Well, Brian, I can't thank you enough. And, you know, I want to encourage anyone listening in the Roxborough area to, uh, check out, uh, Swift family, uh, dentistry. So cool what you're doing. I'm so glad that you've been able to find a place that, you know, fits you and is, and you're more comfortable in and, um, you know, finding a way to de-stress and, you know, safeguard your mental health and your me time and your family time. I just think it's so important. And it's a conversation that every dentist and every professional in any industry for that matter ought to be having. So I can't thank you enough for sharing your insight here today um, and telling your story. Thank you so much. And, you know, I do hope in the future, um, you know, if you'll have it, I'll be able to drag you back on the show and we can get into, you know, other topics. Maybe we can talk about that website of yours. I think that's, I think that's great. Two of seven dentists in the county has a website. Not, well done. Not bad. Not bad. No, thank you, Dan. And I, again, I love being here and I look forward to um, adding this to my, my decompression podcast mix on the on the drive home. So there you go. You. There you go. And, and to all the listeners uh, listening, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, like Brian said, you can listen to this podcast anywhere you can get it. If you have enjoyed today's conversation or you've enjoyed other episodes, I would, you know, please, please ask uh, that you consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else. The algorithm is brutal and I can use all the help that I can get. So thank you so much. Uh, we uh, try to crank these episodes out every other week. So we'll be back at it in a couple weeks. And uh, yeah, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Take care. Thanks, Dan. You too. All right. Thanks for joining the Dental Marketing Mix. Brought to you by Dentalscapes. Visit dentalscapes.com for a free strategy call and learn how to take your dental practice to the next level.